What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, Andrew Barry. We are joined by Nate Spear. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You can go to them, shop with them, buy some awesome stuff, and use our code THINK. Just trust me on this. You'll be happy. And if you're in Canada, go to SupplementSource.ca. Get some awesome blowout deals. Thanks for letting me get through that, guys. We've got a... Um, got a fun topic today we're going to take your listener questions by the way uh if you are watching on youtube comment below with your questions we would be happy to take them on the next show oh and by the way comments likes all that stuff it helps to boost us in the algorithm so you guys can help us out with all that and if you haven't subscribed you can tune in to watch shows like this these guys have uh bodybuilding is like all of our lives literally we all support ourselves completely because of this industry and we're here today to help you get better at this sport that we love because education is the key um we've got a psa today a public service announcement on the lake press because i think you know what people really load that motherfucker up and then they do half reps and we need to talk about that Bitches is usually when they do half reps. If they're, it's, have you noticed that when you see pros doing it, you're like, yeah, when their legs are huge. Wrong for yeah, I've been doing them wrong for years. I watch Phil he squat, and I'm like, you know, yep. maybe I just have this all wrong. I actually did a Q and A, a Q and A on my Instagram, and someone said, "What's something you could go back and tell your old self, you know, for advice?" And I would, and I, I said, um, you know, don't do what your favorite pro is doing. Mm, <laughs> so I remember, I remember watching William Bonac you know, train legs and he's doing like half reps, but the dude has like tree trunks they're used to. And, uh, you know, you got Max Charles doing tricep push downs. Like yeah, <laughs> the pull-up, the pull-ups were like, yeah. yeah. And again, I'm not trashing on him because his physique is that yeah. unbelievable. But again, it goes back to what I, the point I made last segment about genetics. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think most well, of us well, mere mortals component though. And tell me what you guys think, because, and I'm going to use the bench dip. You remember the old school bench dip between oh, yeah. two benches? Okay. Used to be able to do them, all of us, when we were lean, but we get a little size. Get into that position now and try to do that. There's no way. Same with barbell curls. You could extend all the way out, get a full stretch. None of us are able to do that, and I'm easily the smallest one of the four of us. I can't fucking do it. It doesn't it, – it, it fucking hurts. It just doesn't work. So I would ask you guys, wouldn't you agree that some of it, some of the range of motion changes as we get bigger and, and get sure. to the point where you're these, you know, the Phil Heaths and everything else. The range of motion is actually uh, the obstacle or some of the obstacle for that range of motion is the giant amount of fucking muscle that has been created. Hmm. Hmm? Yeah. I mean, I think, think about it. If you that. go really deep, if you're just huge, you got massive fucking glue, you're Phil Heath, massive glutes, hams uh quads if you were to go as deep as you know he did 15 years ago there's probably going to be you know there's going to be pelvic tilt there's going to be all this shit that's going on because it's just not going to be a comfortable range of motion anymore now i know that that's not exactly what we're talking about <laughs> but i think that that plays a part too but it is a bitch when you see genetically gifted people and i'm not taking anything away from their work ethic that shit still hurts and they still go balls out or they wouldn't be big but that range of motion, I don't think, I mean, look, if any, if at any time you have that genetic propensity to grow size and that's how you're growing, I don't know that I would recommend you change it. Well, some of those guys too, have to. speaking of genetics that a lot of people don't touch on is muscle engagement. 
So how many of those top pros, you know what I mean, are engaging the whole muscle, but the, the range of motion might not be fully there. You know yeah. what I mean? But you, they do a couple leg presses, half reps, and then their outer sweep is just blown up. You know, that doesn't happen for the normal human being, right? right. All right. Well, let me drive us back on track here for a minute, guys. What is what is it about the leg press that we want people to know? Get the full range of motion out of the rep. No more half reps. Stop loading up the you know twelve hundred pounds on it so it looks cool for the gram. Um, you know you're going to get just as, you're going to get more effective of a <clears throat> of yeah. a leg workout by putting eight plates on there and going right. as deep as you possibly can. And by deep, I mean your knees are basically touching your shoulders and maybe even driving into your shoulders a little bit. Yeah. So would you does well, that require going like a little wider on your stance to do that? Because I find if I go too close, then like my chest stops it and my fat stomach stops it. You know what I mean? But, but you're still bringing your knees all the way down to your chest and you're like you're pressing into your chest with your knees a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So my, I would my say, favorite actually variation of the leg press is actually John Meadows. Um, I saw him do that was the, it's sort of like a frog stance a little bit. Yes. So you yeah. have your feet sort of like shoulder width, but then your toes are out and your knees go out at the same time. Yes. And then you bury that sucker and those things will light up the outer quad sweep, the inner teardrop. Um, and then like, like we brought up, uh, uh, there was a post that someone made and the biggest mistake I see is people don't really realize the mechanics of the leg press. Hmm. So nine times, well, maybe eight times out of 10, I see people with a leg press and the back rest is like straight up and down. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure why, but you know, you have people that if, if I could give any tip of advice to have better range of motion, less hip pain, less, you know, uh, you know, IT band flare up and stuff like that is put that all the way back that that back the the backrest. <clears throat> um, so that way your hips are not quite as like in a, a vulnerable position, because I think a lot of people run into that issue. They like press and they say, oh, my hips hurt or, you know, this and that is sort of getting engaged. Same thing with your knees. Um, you know, if you have your your seat back a little bit further, you know, it's going to relieve a little bit of pressure on those knees too. So you can sort of go a little bit further without hitting that chest as but more short range of motion. But I can't use as many plates coach. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't pile them on. I have a limit. Here's what I think the limiting factor is for range of motion. You guys tell me if you agree or disagree. Uh, and I come at this from a lower back, you know, issue of, of dealing with chronic lower back issues for a long time. And, and the angle leg press can be brutal on existing lower back problems and it comes back to the pelvic tilt posterior pelvic pelvic tilt mm. i depth is important even astrograph squats but i know we're on leg presses but it's the same concept and there are parallels there you can go as deep as you can get before your hips start to turn posterior yeah. that is my it's called a butt wink essentially and people think it's only in squatting but it's not it's in leg press too it's actually very easy to see in leg press all you have to do is take a video from the side to see if your hips are rolling and yeah. if they come off the pad you're you're too deep now you can change if you have flexibility issues so your glutes your hamstrings uh piriformis whatever you can open and stance is important i think i agree because if you are too narrow then your rib cage is going to get in the way and I think we've all either had or had friends or clients who you can have rib problems. I mean, you can literally crack oh, a yeah. rib if you're. I if, pop mine. It, yeah, it, either in a bounce at the bottom or even just the pressure itself, um, you know, of your legs pressing against your rib cage. So you have to play around with stance a little bit as well. Um, but I think that that the limiting factor for range of motion is you basically want to get as deep as you can get without the hips turning posterior, which is essentially rolling. I don't know how to explain it the best. It's it's rolling forward. It's it's like pushing. 
if in the bottom position you feel like you're pushing your dick up to the ceiling, yeah, you're probably posterior on your uh, with your with your pelvic tilt. It's the best way I can explain it. Uh, I think that's the biggest some, limiting factor. What do you guys think? Do you find with some leg presses, if you use a little bit of a pad or like a, a foam piece and roll it up, does that help you out at all? Like on the, the butt wank area? You know, I actually tr- I've tried that quite a few times, and I've never personally benefited from it. And, and which brings me to another point. Um, too with leg presses if you guys use armbrist has one and i hate it because of lower back issues if the bottom part of the backrest is rounded oh yeah i'm not going anywhere near that bitch that to me is a huge vulnerability and it's an accident waiting to happen it should be flat but i've never been able to and i don't know if it's because of just my you know, the makeup of my back prior to the injuries or because i've had injuries because i remember trying to play with that um, it, it wouldn't be a foam. I think I know what you're talking about. It's it's flat on one side and it's slightly rounded on the other to essentially accommodate the arch of your lower back. I yeah. cannot use that goddamn thing for whatever, but I couldn't use it before I had injuries either. So I think it's just a, a me thing. Uh, but other people have said that they need it and it helps them. And, and that's great. Again, that's the individual component of you know, these different exercises and the mechanics and the things that you have to change. That's why it's very difficult for us to give these very black and white uh, recommendations or advises in, in situations like this. You know, it depends on a leg press too. I find there's a lot of different leg press like you're saying. I really Mm -hmm. love like the old side backs that sort of sits on the floor. You know, those ones, that one's, it's real good for me, but, but yeah, some are a little rough. Like we have a pre-core one at my gym and sometimes it's a little rough. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, one thing I noticed is in my earlier days, I would tweak my knees on the leg press all the time. And it's because I was kind of in that mindset of wanting to try to push as many plates as I possibly can. And I feel like the leg press is an exercise where you can get like super, super strong. And so people want to load it up because it's the only place like anybody who like, I don't care how strong you are, you can kind of fake your way through a really heavy leg press without really good form. But you also open yourself up to injury because if you think about putting that knee joint under the pressure of like, you know, a thousand pounds, 1500 pounds, that's a lot of freaking pressure. You know, I remember like wrapping my knees on the knee press on the leg press because my knee already hurt. And I was like, Oh, I know it's going to hurt when I do this, but I got 19 plates last week and I gotta, I gotta beat that now, you know? And, and, and I, and I think this really for me does come back to kind of what we game plan when we were talking about this before we started was, just that I, I do feel like I can get a lot out of a leg press with just a few plates on it now. And my legs are better than they've ever been. So, you know. What about, about foot position? Do you guys drive from the ball of your foot? Do you let the heel come off? Do you drive through the heel? And and it's funny because this is a big uh, IG argument going on right now about you know, driving through the heels versus coming up because it's been very popular the last couple of years to roll up on the ball of your feet, which I did early on in the eighties because that was the phase where we, you didn't squat without plates under your heel. Like you weren't a bodybuilder. And if you didn't do that. it that way. So what do you, how do you guys, how do you guys do that? And where do you focus on the drive? Before answering that, I will say, um, does everyone know who Matt Chrisman is? He's like a, um, I don't, I'm going to botch his actual term. He's, he's not a physical therapist, but he's, he's like a physical therapist, like a physique or whatever. 
Yeah, like a physique manipulator. He's got all. So anyway, he started writing for us for MountainDogDiet.com. He's put out some great articles. But anyway, he's got a really good post that he just made a video um, of someone squatting from the side. And he traced the bar path with the cues of, okay, push through your heels. And he showed how this person like went down. And mm-hmm. then they were like that, right? And then he's like, okay, push through your toes. And he goes down. And then they like go the other way. Like, hmm. and, it, and then he goes, okay, don't push through either of them. I think that was the terminology. And the person mm-hmm. was like straight down and straight up. No so kidding. his point with that was that the cue, like cues that, he, that yeah, neuromuscular specialist, thank you. Uh, the cues for that, the, the cues you give someone in squatting, leg pressing, whatever type of exercise, they might not be the same for every single person. That, right. I think that was the take-home point from that. Um, I would check that post out. It, it was pretty good. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I just sort of keep it sort of like even keel. I don't really put too much emphasis on where I drive from. I mean, I usually probably more towards the heel personally. Um, but for me, like tempo is everything. So I try to keep everything like a piston, you know, not lock out, come up maybe like a little over three-quarters of the way. Um, also, I think a lot of people, it's okay to, you know, sit in the hole for a little bit, like in that stretch position for like one to two seconds on a leg press, hmm. you know, you're going to get a lot of quad engagement there. So anything you can recruit more muscle fibers, you know what I mean? Optimally, that's the answer in my opinion, you know what I mean? So, um, that's why I like, I like leg press too a lot for like rest pause sets or like widow makers because you're sort of locked in, you can sort of bang them out like pretty clean and, you know, you're safer. Yeah. Safer. Right. Not much risk there. I do have two points to add, though, before we move on. First, you know, if someone's having issues with their knees or they're having issues with their hips on a leg press, I think the thing to do is to find a competent physical therapist who who works out themselves and tell them that and see if there's something you can do, whether it's another exercise that you need to do leading into the leg press. Maybe there's some rehabilitative stuff you need to do. Maybe there's some activation warm-up stuff you need to do. Um, that's I would use that as a tool. And then the second yeah. thing is – you know, we talk about like people loading up too much weight and I've, and I've touched on this before. I like to try to do these little resets where I do everything I can to make the exercise harder. So for instance, like we actually did this three weeks ago cause we've been using the leg press pretty frequently and as like our second or third kind of main exercise. And you know, like some of my partners, they can just piston like right through it. And I'm like, your legs aren't really growing. Like let's figure out a way to make this work better for all of us. So every rep needs to be a three second negative and the knees mm. need to touch your, your, the tips of your shoulders at the bare minimum. Oh, God. And, and we actually, so yes, yeah, so you do a one, two, three, pause in the hole and then drive up. Yeah. So we're getting rid of that whole piston stretch reflex stuff. And we're yes. really working the tissue tissue with more uh, time under tension and mm. sure our weight had, you know, initially, you know, we had to move down to like eight plates or something like that. But then each week using that same technique, adding a plate, now we're up to 10 plates. Now we're going to 10 and a half. So just kind of reestablishing technique, um, yeah. I think is important for almost any exercise, but especially something like leg press where you can get a little out of hand and just keep slapping weight on and, and your rep yeah. range gets a little bit shorter every week. I've done that same thing where I've had people or I've done it myself, like the real slow, like one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand bottom or just like pause. Take that. Get down to the bottom. And once it completely stops, then count to yourself one, one thousand drive. And if you just take that amount of time, like you will cut your ability to press down, you know, dramatically. Same thing with any, like you said, Andrew, you know, any exercise, take that, put that, add that to squats, you know, 
I, I feel like for me, I have driven from the heels more. I, I have a fear, I think, of knee issues. I had ACL replacement and most of the cartilage removed out of my left knee when I was uh, like 19. And I had I don't have any knee issues now, knock on wood. The only time I had knee issues was when I was trying to really, I was basically abusing the leg press. No, I take that back. I tried a couple of years ago to improve my ankle mobility. So I really started focusing on ankle mobility. And then once I fixed, once I got more mobile in my ankles, then it created knee issues. So I was like, I took something that wasn't broken and then I broke it. Basically. You had an ACL issue with training. You injured your ACL while training. No, I just said I, I tore it uh, through re repeti repetitive stupidity as a kid like playing football oh, okay uh, working right. hopping fences just over and over and over again until one day i i went down and then when i went to go stand back up i was like oh, i'll shake this off this hurts really bad but i'll stand back up and then i would boom right, right back down again it was oh. it was a bad one yeah yeah but i'm good like i, I had it replaced that was like 90s and i'm like mid 90s now they have like technology that is so much better. Like I spent a month in a wheelchair because they took a piece of the patella tendon from the other knee and stringed that strip, put that on as my ACL. So I had both legs like in casts for like 30 days. It was in a wheelchair. Yeah, it, it, it blew pretty bad. But you what's know. the uh, the life of the uh, ACL repair back then? Like, did they tell you you would need another surgery in the future, possibly? Or I, you know what? We didn't address that. I can't. Remember. I was younger. They may have told yeah. my parents, but uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm in hoping one year out the other. Yeah, I'm hoping for the rest of my life at least. Well, I know? think with in the gym an ACL, PCL, it, those aren't typically yeah. things yeah. you're going to have. You might have an LCL. I know I did one time with squatting. It has to be something where the stability of the le of the knee is in question. So, like an angle leg press or something that is a fixed path yeah. is yeah. not is very unlikely to be an issue. But with something like a free bar squat, something like that could happen. But it's still very. Yeah. Uncommon. Or like Those a, are impact in injuries usually. Yeah. I could imagine like doing really heavy like bar on back side lunges if like exactly. yeah. something. You know what I mean? That change of direction, um, you know, an awkward direction for the knee. But straight right. up and down shouldn't have an issue. Yeah. Meniscus maybe, but Ply, yeah, really. plyos maybe jumping up and down off of yeah 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 like things that. like that. Yeah. Skip does skip does a lot of box jumps. Yeah, <laughs> right. tons. We're, tons. we're gonna move on, guys, because Scott Stevenson, the one and only Doctor Thirst Trap, as he's known around these parts, has left us a question, and this is a good one. He says, um, "If you had to choose just five exercises that you could use for the rest of your life, and there are no other exercises, just these five, which five? I feel like uh, we do a rendition of this almost every episode. Now. <laughs> <laughs> if you're stuck on an island with, yeah. you can only bring three pieces with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, I want I want Scott to type out his answer to and post it when we're when we all answer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. Five exercises. Okay. So who's going first? Who's going to? Okay. I'll do an incline dumbbell press. I will do a. This is individual exercises, not machines, right? Correct. Yeah, just the exercise. All right. All right. I'll probably go with a hack squat. I'll go with a lat pull down. It's funny because I'm just like thinking along with you and I'm like, yep, I'll take that. I'll take that. I know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'll go with uh, a T-bar row because I love my T-bars. And then I will go with uh, last one. I'll go with a hamstring curl. 
Cool. So I'm not training my biceps, tries, I guess. <laughs> and not well, if shoulders. you're doing, uh, yeah, you, well, yeah, I got a little it. bit of activation there, but because yeah. the exercise, it has to be an exercise. Yeah, uh, so, yeah you're not gonna. Okay, just I'm gonna go with barbell rows with an undergrip. <laughs> you like the barbell row that much? Wait a minute, didn't one of your guys tear his bicep doing that? Yeah, but I'm not gonna do them with 405, so I'm okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to trying to bring in the buys a little bit here. I don't know, um, but it, which honestly, I'd probably go with the T bar if I'm being honest. I'm saying barbell so that if Dusty's watching, he thinks I'm hardcore. <laughs> you guys do it like he'll relate to you in some way. No, yes. okay, okay. So I am gonna go with a barbell row. I'm going to go with a um, overhead. Well, shit. I'm going to do them all with a barbell. Okay. How about this? Barbell, barbell row, overhead shoulder press. This is going to be, no, I can't go all barbell because I, I wouldn't squat uh, because of my issues. Um, that, that one I can't even really comment on because I've got too many fucking knee issues right now. Ideally, I would probably go with a hack. If I had to pick one leg exercise that I could do consistently that I feel would help my legs the most, it would be hacks. I feel like I grew my legs with hacks uh, before I had problems years ago. So I'm down to three. Um, come on. Uh, what I cover? Back, shoulders, legs. I got to keep my calves. I get compliments on my calves all the time. So I'm going to I'm gonna, yeah. so I'm gonna go. I'm not, in lieu of arms, mind you. I'm going to go with a standing calf raise. How about that? Or donkey. I'd actually go with the donkey. Um, donkey calf machine, uh, and I carry it. You really like picked a calf exercise I did. as one of your top five. <laughs> and he was serious, too. Yeah, You're dead serious. Oh, shit. Okay, and then a, um, I don't know, tricep press. Now I'm reaching here. I'm reaching. And and the truth is, is we all probably would go with damn near what Andrew said because it's pretty fucking solid. But you did leave out arms. My arms suck whether I train them or I don't. So <laughs> I'm not, I don't think there's any saving them, so... <laughs> Kind of funny if you left out arms and they started growing, wouldn't that be? A yeah, I know that's a that's a that's a. I've tried that too. I've tried that too. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I mean, Andrew's pretty spot on. I would say I'm more of a barbell guy, so I do the Smith. I mean, uh, incline uh, barbell bench, uh, lat pull down because you can do like lat emphasis, and then you can also do like a rowing motion too, um, and then leg press because Five I feel like I could do that. However old and beat up I get. Um, probably a seated hamstring curl and shit. One more, I think, uh, probably uh, like a hammer curl. Cause you got to keep the guns. <laughs> Nate does have guns, by the way. I got a question for you, Nate. I remember yeah. I, I hurt my shoulder, uh, when I worked for seven up and I had to go to Concentra where they like, you know, I'm a company, doctor's visit and they were doing these mobility tests and they asked me to put my arm out like this and touch my shoulder which i'm not as big now i can do that can you do that nate oh man i don't know here's live we're, we're gonna find out all right oh yeah you got no problem then well, you can reach down you can reach down touch yeah, yeah, yeah. you got it you got yeah. it Okay. Yeah, That's but that, he's bad. severely depressing his you know, forearm into his bicep. You know. were also like lifting the elbow, I think. Oh, yeah. you know? But I remember oh, doing that. However, they had me do that, and they were surprised. Whatever the movement was, I I think it was like you couldn't like I just I just went like this, and the hand wouldn't touch. And they're like, "Oh my god, your mobility oh, is terrible." Oh, every time and then they looked up my arm and saw the bicep, and they're like, 
oh, that's just getting in the way. You could have been like this, like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. Yeah, yeah I can touch yeah. it. Yeah, no problem. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> have you guys ever had a problem like getting on your phone like this? Or you have to actually cross over because your arm will get pumped. That ever yes. happened to you? Yeah. It's a yes. thing. Yeah. I don't do the phone to the ear thing anymore. I don't think any of us really yeah. do. But it's just all I try not to be on the phone to talk. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> I don't well, think I have your five shot. I don't think I have anything else to add except for I will I'll take Andrew's five except for I will replace the T-bar row with the dumbbell row because um, I found that with low back issues, I can support myself with that arm and it'll relieve any kind of kind of back problems that I would have outside of that, man. That's a it's a good, well-rounded, good, well-rounded number. Um, We had. Wow, look at that. Derek Oslin is hanging with us. He's uh, we were syncing this up with his training time. How about this? Funny if him and Doctor Scott were training together right now, and Scott's like commenting every five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I know they they were training together for a long time. Yes. All right. So we've got this one here. Uh, At the peak of an off season, do y'all prefer to get cardio low uh, to none? So all the food goes towards recovery and training or prefer to keep cardio moderate to allow for more food to be consumed. Wait, is that a ZL1? I uh, No? Let's say that's a fancy profile picture. I'm not sure if it is or not. I, I have my glasses, but is it a Camaro ZL1 or no? Come on, Macy. I'm probably way off. It's a nice car. One pulled sure. up next to me the other night, last night at the light, and I looked over, I rolled down my window, and I just went, ain't running with you. And he started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> like, nope, not doing it. I totally nope. forgot the fucking question. All right, so I think the question is, <laughs> what good am I, really? <laughs> well, do you taper your cardio down? Is that right? Cardio in the off season. Should you, uh, should you try to leave the cardio out so that all those calories go to growing muscle? Or should you keep it in? I do it, but for a different reason. Um, I want to try to get the metabolism as high as possible. So I'm going to push, like typically I'm going to pull all cardio like three weeks or so before we really start in prep. And I'm going to push a little extra calories there, even if I know they're going to gain. I'm sorry. Yeah. In the off season. Yeah. Are we talking about like right before starting to prep? No, like if you're trying to grow muscle, where does cardio fit in the equation in the off season? That's what he's asking. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Um, I mean... I mean, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, well, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of chime in, steal it from Andrew because he's the one that sort of taught me this. I like doing the hit cardio and off season, which Andrew prescribed to me, and I sort of believe in that now. So, like, ten to twelve minutes, short bursts, um, really get the appetite cranked yes, up and appetite. Good, good heart, good heart health too with that with that hit cardio. You know what I mean? To keep also too, a lot of people forget. You know, you want to have your training optimal in the off season. So you do a little bit of hit. Your cardiovascular is much better. So you can perform those, you know, really hard sets and your cardiovascular more primed. You know, a lot of guys forget about that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm perfect and I do my fucking cardio like all the time in the off season. Like no one does really. But, you know, if you can you sort of get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, like, you know what I'm saying? If you can get your cardiovascular better and you're breathing better, like for some of these hard sets for back or legs or. You know, you do these intensifiers and you're not out of breath. You know what I mean? That can go a long ways, I believe. I think it has a lot to do with the activity of that person based on like their 
yeah. you know, their job and what they're doing during the day too. And I've touched on this before, but especially in the off season, because if you do have, I always use the ER nurse as an example, because I've had a lot of, apparently a lot of my clients are ER nurses, but over the years, if you're active again for, you know, 10, 12 hours and you're constantly on your feet, then adding 30 minutes of cardio really isn't going to have much of a benefit in the off season. So it, I think it depends a lot on the activity, at least when I go to set it up for clients in the off season. I, you know, it's funny because I want to give the, you know, when we were first discussing the question, my brain immediately went to like the right response. Oh, you know, we have it in there for, uh, you know, to increase metabolism and to help with digestion and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking that, but I also want to keep cardio as low as possible in the off season, instead of having this crazy amount of cardio so that when you do shift gears, like Andrew was saying, in going into a prep, there's actually a change that the body will recognize and it becomes a stimulus for the metabolism because otherwise you're just going in. And, and, and the other thing I believe with cardio too, is if you be, if you come to rely on it to get lean and you already have a high level, then shit, man, you're, you're, you're relying on that output that takes up a lot of energy and could potentially run into your recovery as well. I have changed my stance a lot in the last few years on cardio and I try as hard as I can to significantly keep the cardio levels down, even in preps as much as possible and rely more on the diet. It can't always happen that way, but I don't like to, well, just, you know, we'll go more cardio or up, we're going to up it to the, and have this big, and I've done it a lot of different ways myself as well. And man, I, you know, I think it was John that said, correct me if I'm wrong, but John wasn't very big on cardio either. Was he with perhaps well, I mean, he tried to keep it low? I don't know if I him, took that for himself because he burned fat off anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, Unlike he's, the rest of us. Put it this way, he started most most preps in the kind of condition that most guys get into. Uh -huh. Agreed. And then he just. But what about with his level. clients? Uh, I mean, I've had to do two plus two and a half hours of cardio a day. Maybe you're thinking Scott oh, Stevenson. Yeah. Scott Stevenson is not a big cardio guy. No, I don't. No, generally, okay, right? yeah. John definitely wanted to do as little cardio as possible. I Always think we save all a step do, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, like, okay, if you're starting someone out. 15 weeks out and they're on 45 minutes of cardio a day. Like yeah. where do you go from there? Like right, right. you're definitely going to be doing an hour and a half of cardio at some point during this prep. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, obviously we want to get it down as much as possible. So you're at a starting point where you have cards to play later on. That, that makes the most sense. Um, so, yeah, but I think that's obvious to us. I think it might not be obvious to other people because I think we can all agree. There are trainers who just will throw tons of cardio and there's probably a lot of people listening I, well, let's put it this way. I've had a lot of clients come to me and then once we get going they're they're actually surprised that the cardio isn't, well, you know, don't you want to increase cardio? Well, shouldn't the cardio be higher? And that has been said to me enough that it makes me feel that most people anticipate or expect there to be so much more cardio. And that makes me think that people become more reliant on that. And, and I guess what I'm saying is I think us or we, have a different perspective on it. It's used as a tool, but it's not relied upon as much as the actual manipulation of calories and diet and, and how that all fits together, I guess. I don't know that I'm explaining it very well, but I think what yeah. we see is keeping it minimal. Most people would think that it's just, it's used more and relied upon more than it actually is. Does that? Okay. I'm trying to articulate. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay.
Yeah. The only other thing I'll say about off-season cardio is it does make sense, uh, or even pre-contest cardio, to um, you know separate periods of time with steady state versus hit because they're completely different energy systems. And mm-hmm. with whichever any form you're using, your body's going to adapt to it at some level over yes. some period of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been doing steady state for 10 weeks, you know, it might behoove you to actually do, um, you know, a five or eight weeks um, of, of hit cardio exclusively and you'll right. reap the benefits from it because they're completely different energy systems. Yeah. I, yeah. I would Car- say cardio cycling versus carb cycling. I mean, I've written articles about this. If you're going yeah. to cycle yeah. your caloric input, then why would you not at least consider? cycling your output as well yeah exactly i've gotten more into using like non-traditional forms of cardio in the off season uh things where you can be more explosive um especially in situations where guys are starting to feel real heavy um and and you you know like like when you get to that point where you're like short of breath and you feel like your cardio strength is going down and that can kind of become a limiting factor then like you know, when you're bending over to tie your shoes and you're huffing, I found that doing just and it's almost like, you know what, too, it's kind of like a mental thing. Like, let's change gears here and make sled pushes a challenge and just like take 10 minutes. You know, let's start out once a week to see how your legs feel afterward. You know, if you, if it trashes your legs, then maybe it's not going to be a real good move if it's going to take away from trying right. to grow legs. But, you know, let's give it a try. And, and, and in a way you can kind of you can kind of turn it into something else versus like, I feel like bodybuilding can get kind of boring sometimes. And it's like, now we're doing more steady state cardio. And now we're doing like, get on the bike and it's one minute high, yeah. one minute low. And it's like, just go over there and have fun for 10 minutes, push the sled back and forth as many times as you can try to get out of breath, try to bust ass with it and do it on a day. That's not going to be really intense. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just at the end of your workout and let's see how you feel after that, you know? Or you could also work hard to take your sessions for sex from three minutes to like 16, 18. Yeah. Yeah. But you I, have I to mean, be on top. As long as your heart rate's up and it's yeah. constant, I don't really care what your <laughs> what your method of cardio is. And then guys are like, now nah, just stick with three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Scott Stevenson does for cardio in his contest prep is or his dieting phases? <clears throat> He'll like find a project. This is like Scott's anti-cardio. He'll find a project like I'm going to upgrade my camper or like I'm going to switch out the shocks on my Jeep. And that way he's on his feet. He'll be like, I'll spend two hours a night just like tinkering on my car. And he's like, I'm on my feet and I'm burning more neat calories that way. Mm-hmm. And he'll, yep. he'll, he won't do like real car. I mean, he walks his dogs every day, but that doesn't count because he does it every day anyway. But yeah, that's no. how he'll in- increase his output. And then he'll end up with I saw Scott's uh, camper at the Arnold. I wish you guys could have seen it. It was, we, we met up with him because he was hanging out with John in Fuad and they were doing the, like the, the frog, the mutant with the bullfrog nutrition uh, meetup thing. And mm-hmm. afterwards, Scott took us over and showed Victoria and I his camper And the best way. Victoria was like, this is like a camper version of back to the future. Like, <laughs> like when doc pulls up, you know, and it, it was, it was intense. There was like, I've seen the, yeah, I've seen the videos and pictures of it. Like, it's yeah. pretty intense. I'm going to have awesome. to see it because I have this visual of him stepping out of that camper or that RV in like a blue leisure suit. I can't be the only one. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and Snots, his dog Snots, takes off running. <laughs> All right. Got a couple more here. Let's see if we can plow through these things. Uh, question for the next coaching podcast. What 
over-the-counter supplements, creatine, glutamine, amino acids, etc., would you pull or probably add before a show and how far to cut out? It's from you Patreon. meant etc. I'm sure you meant etc. Um, Am I the only one who's not a fan of creatine? Just throw it out there. Yes, you are. For the, which reason? You guys are. I'm just not a fan of creatine. Cre- no, Skip uh, hates creatine. Skip is like, it. he's nearly Waste. racist towards creatine. Because it's white. <laughs> Skip takes real steroids. Skip takes real steroids. Wait, no, wait, why, why does Skip? Yeah, Skip, it's like, why, why, why don't you, you like that when you can just take steroids? What's your fucking problem? I, I agree. Like, when people think that creatine is going to be this, like, oh, I'm going to put on all this muscle, I'm like, no, you're not. Like, you'll get like one more rep a week. Yeah, here's here's that, like the only benefit. Yeah, exactly. The only other benefit is you can get underneath your doctor's skin a little bit so that he <laughs> thinks that your kidneys are bad because you're a bodybuilder. I mean, that's really the only fun part of taking creatine. To me, it just seems a cost of benefit. And I mean, I always say, I always tell my clients, I'm like, look, I get my client, my, all my supplements for free and I still don't take it. I'm not saying you can't take it. If you want to take it, take it. But if you're going to take it, at least fucking take it consistently so that I don't see your fluctuation in your condition and your scale weight go all over the place. And then you tell me, Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, I ran out of creatine, so I can't, you know, things like that. I'm just not a big fan of it personally. So the question was more when to cut it prior to a show, right? Cut OTC supplements. I don't want to fuck it up. Pretty much like creatine, or, glutamine, yeah, when to cut PCA, them out, or, or, or are there anything you would specifically over the counter add, you know, for a prep too? And I'm not huge on supplements in general. I know True Nutrition does not want me to hear or want me to say that, but the reality is I'm not big on them. I take the things and I recommend the things that I think are worth using, like EAAs, uh, glutamine. Honestly, I still feel that unless you have some type of gut issue or you're trying to help with digestion, I don't think it's worth a damn until they figure out how you can fucking inject it, uh, which sh- I would think they would have done by now, but anyway, and creatine. So give me some other OTCs. I mean, pre, I'm not a pre-workout guy because I've got nerve damage. I always I mean, laugh and say, if you can't get up for a workout, I don't know, find something else. We're probably not including like protein and carb supplements here. Oh, you're, agree. You're, you're separating, you're separating those out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Protein, also, and carb, that's completely different. I'll say this. I've had in my best condition, literally having a, a Friday before the show, I went to Bev's gym. I worked out. I did a show on Saturday. I didn't change one thing from my supplement protocol. The only thing we did, and in, that included um, EAAs, probably creatine, um, cyclic dextrin, uh, a protein shake, or you know, way, way ba- two, two whey-based meals, I think, that day. And the only thing we did differently was we added a huge dessert uh, to my last meal. And I woke up the next day and looked the best I probably ever did, you know? Yeah. Um, so my point, I guess, was saying that is I was also like pretty peeled at like two, three weeks out. So mm-hmm. if you're super conditioned, I don't think any of those things, unless you are just a hyper responder, will play one difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Others might differ, you know, but, you know, like even like things like Yohimbine, you know, like, you know, the whole idea like, oh, Yohimbine is going to make you hold water. I think I still used Vasoburn that same day for my cardio that, yeah. that, that Friday before the show. And I just didn't do anything different. Yohimbine, mm-hmm. I will take it out just as a precaution like a week out you know i'm like let's just take it out just to be safe you know even if you're looking great i'll i I will that's when i will change creatine i might not if somebody's taking creatine but i feel like you know what i was thinking is i don't even know how many people actively are taking creatine that are using gear i like like intentionally i think there's a lot of inadvertent creatine use through pre-workouts nowadays yeah i would agree with that as well yeah 
The only thing I'll add in is uh, high levels of B and C vitamins to every meal uh, about a week out. High levels of what? B and C vitamins. Okay. I didn't catch that for, part. For, for, for an enhanced diuretic effect. Mm. Mm. It, uh, if you read, uh, Dr. Scott did an article um, for Mountain Dog like probably like eight or nine years ago now. And it's a, a tip I picked up from that article. It's in his book too. Your own bodybuilding. Coach. It's in his book. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. All right. How about this one? And then we've got a question about uh, underrated coaches. Uh, cool topic to uh, idea to have discussion about on the next blood, sweat and gear. Um, he says, I've got a friend that keeps asking me to get him some gear. Give me some gear, bro. And he's new to the gym and totally not ready. I tried to explain to him how much more goes into taking gear besides just taking shots, like supplementing for your liver, kidneys, and blood pressure, medicines, uh, estrogen control, etc. cetera. Uh, seems like people don't understand the rabbit hole of health management you need to go down if you step into the world of gear use. It'd be cool to hear you guys talk about uh, all the health support that goes into being enhanced things the average gym bro doesn't think about before they start cycling have a good one brother appreciate all the shows killing it i would tell us well first i say first because i've got something well first i'd be like i'm not buying gear for you dude like there's plenty of ways you can get it yourself like i'm not taking that risk on for one thing i'm pretty like, sure uh, andrew and i are going to give the same <laughs> advice yeah right like, like, no, you're gonna have to like, figure that one out yourself yeah dude like there's this thing called the internet where you can Can't literally have it delivered the next day and i'm not going to be party to that because i'm how not taking your you, risk on for me how would you Second go era. about getting that oh never yeah. mind never mind never mind <laughs> Uh, secondarily, I would tell him like, look, there's this podcast called blood, sweat and gear and the channel called think big. And I would actually say, Hey, go back and watch like 20 of the random episodes there. And you're going to pick up a lot more information. You're, you're going to get an education out of it versus me just saying, giving you a bottle and saying, have at it. You know? Yes. Yeah. That, the other thing is that, that, that he's asking himself. that he's not open to hearing about anything having to do with the right way to do it is clearly so obvious that really he isn't ready. But here's the other problem. He's, He's going to do it. Do it. So <laughs> yeah. then you have to look at it. I'm going to come from the other side. And I'm going to say this. Like if, he, if he hasn't taken anything before and he's going to start with a test cycle of five or 600, you know, I'm just throwing it out there, arbitrary numbers, five or 600 milligram of testosterone. I don't know that there needs to be this huge, um, you know, secondary protocol to keep him alive, you know, or, or from going into – you know, cardiac arrest, or I'm being funny, but at the same time, it doesn't need to be terribly extensive. I think that as you gain experience and you gain more knowledge about gear and, and you start changing compounds and you start increasing dosage, that's where you really need to start to really hone in on. And so I think he has time in, in his defense a little bit to, to get in and see if it's something that he even wants to do. If he's just going to dabble with the cycle and then he's going to, you know, move on to something else and it would, really wouldn't matter. And that may well be what he's thinking. Like, I just want to try it out and see. Um, I don't think there's a lot that he really needs to do on a, on a test only cycle if he's just starting out. So there's that too. Uh, but if he's asking all those questions, he's not concerned. I mean, it kind of sounds like he's flip it, flip it in the sense that it's like, well, I want to try it, but I really don't want to put in too much effort into to figuring yeah. it out. That's a typical 
It's a typical like new tr- response. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like trying a new flavor of an ice cream. Like, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, yeah right. you know, I'll see if no I harm, get no there. And, yeah. yeah. If, not, if I don't like it, I just won't have that flavor again. I'll probably give up. In high school, <laughs> uh, it, this is like long before I ran gear. I, in fact, so when I was like 13, 14, I was learning. I, I was helping my friends like figure out how to uh, do you know various splits. And they'd come over to my house and we'd work out in my weight set in the basement. And one of these guys kept training. He got good. Um, and uh, he ended up getting into amateur bodybuilding contests as a, as a teenager, like 16, 17. Him and one other guy who was on the football team both did it. And they both blew up, like got real puffy. And then I talked to him one day and I was like, hey, man, I was like, you know, what can I get for steroids? And he was like, well, yeah, I can get them for you. There's two different ones. One of them will build mass and the other one will get you cut. And I'm so glad I didn't go down that road at that moment because that's literally all the information I had. <laughs> and right. I could have been taking these pills. They were probably like, I'm guessing D-Ball and Winstrel, you know. But yeah, uh, D-Ball and Winstrel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, but it, things could have gone sideways for me pretty easy. You know what I mean? I, I could have grown bigger boobs or something. Who knows? Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, I know you said uh, he's going to do it anyway, so which I agree, but I would, if I was his friend, I would tell him, you know, hire a coach, you know, that way you have like some good guidance. So if he came to me, I would be like, okay, well, first of all, we're going to follow it, you know, a, a diet plan for X amount of months. You know, we're going to execute your training, send me footage, you know, making sure we're not missing a beat. You know what I mean? So that way you're actually, you know what I mean? Because if he's going to do it anyways, at least that way, he sort of has like some kind of foundation set up and has bought into the lifestyle. And then I always tell a lot of guys, like, listen, you're probably going to be on this stuff for the rest of your life, so you got to be prepared for that. So um, most guys, oh, yeah, PCT, this and that, but how many guys really, you know what I mean, do that? <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's move on because we have one final topic. Uh, mo- most underrated coaches. And I'm going to just turn this one over to you, Skip. Well, here's the thing. You guys aren't going to be surprised by this, I don't think. Um, and and the other part of this is I don't pay attention to a lot of like there. You guys could rattle off names of coaches and I don't even know them. I'm I really am not in in as deep and pay attention to everything that's going on like I used to. I train my clients. I train my one on one clients. I write. I do my shit and I move. I don't spend a lot of time on social media and I don't know the the depths of who's doing what and everything else. But I will say that I really do. And it's you're, you might find this funny, Scott, because at first I was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this cat. But I'm like that in the sense of new, especially new <laughs> guys. And you, you, you know where I'm going, don't you? Yeah. Prep guys. And, and I'm kind of like, you know, I have this thing because I'm older. I'm like, mm, got to prove himself. I don't know. You know, we'll see if he really, sure. but I think Austin Stout is, is, is underrated. I think he's underrated because his, he has extensive knowledge. I knew he's you're kind of quiet and uneventful. He's, he's, he's not really out there, you know, making like just beating his drum, that sort of shit. He's in his own little corner in a sense, and he's doing his shit. He's doing it really well. And he's very learned about things that most, I think a lot of trainers aren't. And it's funny because I went to him, I contacted him a couple months ago because I thought, you know what, if I'm going to, I want to find out a lot of gut shit. It was outside of my wheelhouse. And I told him, I said, this isn't my 
my forte. You know, I want to check my gut. Thing. I have the, I have the, as I'm getting older, I got more distension. I've got some, I want to really kind of dig into this gut thing. I think you're the guy to be able to do this. You know, maybe you can help me. And I said, listen, I, you know, I just want to be clear up front. I'm not coming to you as like, you know, work with me and give me free shit and everything else. Like I'd be your fucking client man, and I want to learn what you know to see if it can help me because this is outside my wheelhouse. So he's like, yeah, you know, contact me or anything. And then I did and he didn't contact me back. What's that? I was going to say probably because he's busy nonstop. I, like, and I figured too, but yet at the same time I did think because I'm like, well, Maybe he doesn't want to work with me because I'm another, you know, another coach and I'm skip and I'm going to be like grading him and stuff like that. But the the point isn't that he didn't contact me back. He probably is busy, things like that. And for whatever reason, that's fine. I didn't contact him back either uh, because of shit that's been going on uh, since then. But anyway, the point is, is I he's one of those people that stands out to me that I have watched. And it was after I met him at the Arnold that year. Yep. When we did the podcast. So I started after I met him, I'm like, oh, he's a pretty nice guy. He likes cats. He's kind of a homebody kind of guy, you know. So I started paying more attention. And I do. I think that he his he has a very he just has a lot of he just has a lot of knowledge. And I think he's not yet being I think he's busy. Don't get me wrong. And he's doing well for himself. But I I don't think a lot of people know a, as many people know about him as maybe should. You know, you know what I, I think it is, is that, uh, and I'll, I'm just going to kind of back you up on this, Skip, is he's a smart guy, and the stuff that he shares, like he's an intelligent dude. There are people, I think, that kind of try to bullshit you that they know some intelligent stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And But at the end of the day, though, I think that Austin really, he, he he's passionate. Because, I mean, I've known him, not like known him, known him. We know we, we've known each other through podcasting for years, you know, seven, ten, eight years, maybe. Say about eight years, probably. Anyway, uh, he, uh, sorry, I'm doing the math in my head now. He, uh, he's always been very interested in educating himself because I look Mm -hmm. at the stuff he does now and I compare it to when I first met him and I can tell, I can see like he's put this time in. He is, he's, um, he's committing his life like we do, you know, he's committing his life to educating himself to be better at what he does. I do think that there is that, that, that there, I have a lot of respect for somebody that does that and that they're not just trying to get better at bullshitting you. They're actually right. learning. You know what I mean? I'll say about Austin though. Um, Cause it depends like what angle we're looking at. Are we looking at like which coach is underrated from a straight bodybuilding standpoint or which coach is underrated? Like, cause I would say Austin's very good at coaching bodybuilders, but I think the primarily his business is more functional health and fixing issues like estrogen dominance, uh, digestive issues, thyroid mm-hmm. issues. I think I agree. between him and Jason Theobald, I don't think there's like, you know, anyone else out there that I would go to if I really had a serious question that I couldn't figure out myself. So I, yeah. I really don't like, yeah, he's absolutely underrated in a, in a sense, but I think he's like busy nonstop because he's so good at fixing functional health issues. I got a Let me just add something that's kind of shitty real quick. I'm sorry. I, and I know this is kind of a cheap shot and I don't want to mention any names, but I, I, there's just something about like under my skin that I need to say this. There are people who, this is going back to the, to the bullshit. It's not total bullshit. What it is is it's, it's embellishing 
big time and we know this in the industry and we know who does it we know who does but there are a couple people who are very well known far more well known than austin and i would pay austin twice as much to work with him instead of the other couple people that i'm thinking about that i think and and i think he i think austin knows it and i think that we're talking about the same when he posts sometimes his irritations I can see that he's thinking, I bet you the same fucking people that, that I'm thinking about and the same people you guys are thinking about. And I can feel his pain in that sense because the following that the other people have, he should have, in my opinion. And that's the giant sea of turds that sometimes is this industry that people don't see through. They see the, the bullshit on the surface. And I'm not to say that the other people don't know. What I'm saying is that's the underrated part. I would put Austin up here and the the couple people that, that I'm thinking of down here. And unfortunately, from a following and attention standpoint, it's exactly the opposite. We can talk about this after we go off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just talking about <laughs> it on the show and make this like the tell all episode yeah. and we right. get a bunch of hits. No, well, years ago, good. I would just be like, this is the name because I was <laughs> I was just like that. I don't think it was necessarily me being an asshole. But I think that there should be more people confronted on their shit and it doesn't happen anymore. And I'm guilty of it. I have other shit to do, though, other than to argue and make drama and shit like that. Do your thing. It'll sort itself out in the end. And and people who are paying attention, I think, and do their due diligence will know who to work with and know who's full of shit. I think it does work out in the end. What do you got, Nate? Uh, So you all agree with this, I think, Andrew, but Dom super sliced. I can't yeah, remember his the, last Damn name. it, you took one of mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's really good. But um he has a You guys know Dom Mustachio? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't he I don't is. know I don't know most people. I feel like I'm getting older I'll, by the day go. now. I'll, I'll send you guys like his kid. Instagram, but he well he never misses. Like yeah, peeled every time. He's really good. I mean he has a ton of clients and really good clients, but he's not like he should be at like one of those names like a Andrew Vu or Matt Jansen. He should be in that sort of mix, I think. Yeah, um, and then another guy is like Jose Raymond. I think he doesn't really advertise himself as a prep coach, but the guys that he preps are usually like on the money, peeled, full, dry. Um, so those two guys are the first to come to my mind. You want mine? Yeah, I don't have anybody, so go for it. Well, I've got. I, mean, I could go over a bunch. I, I could list a bunch, but the two that come to mind is someone. One person is a friend of this show, uh, Nelson Jones. Oh, um, Nelson! Why didn't I think of Nelson? But you know That's what? A he, good, very good point. I do feel like uh, Nelson's getting more and more. I, I, I guess you could say he's underrated, though. That's a good point. He's yeah. absolutely underrated. Yeah, but he he's has, fucking great. He's had Olympians. He's had Arnold's. He's had you know people very high caliber athletes, and rarely does he miss. Um, and I think also. One thing I know about him, be just well, I'll just say that like he he won't he won't put the client's health at risk in any in any way, and he's still able to get great results. And yeah, I think right. that's really important. Um, and then the other one that I see doing really really well, who I think is kind of underrated, is Morgan Rice right now. Um, you guys might not know who he is, but he's he's out of uh, like Pittsburgh area, and he's been coaching some really good athletes and um, you know nailing some preps with them over the last couple of years. So. Nate knows who he is, but um, I think he he might rub some people the wrong way with his Instagram personality. I think sometimes he's he's a very like do what the fuck I say or or you know get the fuck out of my face kind of guy. Very but, brash. Um, very yeah, very brash. But uh, you know, I think for the people that thrive in that type of environment, they do very very well. 
Yeah, I think that a lot of the popularity game thing is it, it, it is. I mean, unless you have like, you know, a really big, big name client, like if you're working with Nick Walker or something like that, like a lot of it is personality. You know, I, I think that sure. is what what makes people, you know, stand out more. That's what makes people more popular. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Our sport's interesting because, like, if we're talking in terms of, like, a following, like, if you're a coach that, you know, does well with people but then also has, like, an incredible physique, like, you're going to be known. Like, if you're, true, you know, a top Olympian competitor that's also a coach yourself or at least just a really good national-level competitor, like, let's say Andrew Vu, you know, he got second place at the uh, Nash- Nationals or USA's, like, six or seven years ago. So he, you can see that he can walk the walk. He was one spot away from a pro card. And now he's, like, in a sense, taken over and he has – four or five olympians every single year now so yeah. you know what's that justin justin yeah 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 i'm justin absolutely absolutely justin who randall okay i just want to make i thought i knew that's who you meant but i wanted to you know make sure we yeah. said it all right listen uh let's wrap this thing up guys because we are we are over on time and uh you know this is still probably going to come out before you compete, Nate, it'll probably be like right up to the wire. So I think that everybody, dude, we get so much support uh, in the YouTube comments for you. And I love freaking seeing that, man. I love seeing the people that like, they get you, they get you, Nate. Mm-hmm. He cool. also doesn't say anything that is offensive or shit, potentially shitty or judgmental. So I think that works in his, to his advantage as well. <laughs> like, I don't know. He doesn't say anything shitty. So I kind of like this guy. He just puts his head down and works hard. Yeah. Well, he has a good way of kind of driving a point across without necessarily calling someone out directly, like mm-hmm. to make people work harder or think yeah. about maybe their own training, you know, yeah. like it's a positive. Like, thing. I just, yeah, like it's, 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 it's for your own good kind of thing, but it is, you know, there's, there's some good comments there. Yeah. Well, I do sometimes too. People address things as like you should, or yeah. you know what I mean. It's very like uh, I feel like I Absolute. just sort of speak like this is what I do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Type thing, and people are like, "Oh, okay," like you know. Yeah. yeah well, and you have the physique to back that up too. Okay. So it's, it's it's good stuff. I think uh, it works I, to your advantage too, because sitting next to you is usually me. So they like you. They look at me like I don't like that fucking <laughs> asshole on the left. The guy on the right though is cool. And who's the guy on the left? Because the guy on the right's a fucking pro. And he knows why is the guy on the left <laughs> keep fucking talking so much. <laughs> it all works out. I guess. All right. We appreciate everybody hanging with us. Listen, if you're new here and you uh, are just now watching our programming, if you're this far in to the show, you you are already like us. You know it. You, you do. So just hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, all that stuff. We'll be happy to have you along for more podcasts, more education with Skip and Andrew and Nate Spear. Uh, I'm Scott McNally. Check out our sponsors. Yeah, that's the word I was going to say. Sponsors. Uh, truenutrition.com use our code think and uh, check out supplementsource.ca go to bodyberry.com reach out to andrew go to teamskip.com find nate over on instagram and check out nasty nate spear over on the youtubes we'll see you guys soon and everybody in the live feed we appreciate having you guys with us